You're listening to The Party Girl Podcast with Chelsea Curtis, episode 61. Hey, what's up, you guys? I'm coming at you again live from in my car, but I feel like it's the opportune time because I happen to be driving up to Salt Lake City to pick up some swag for a event I'm planning for a celebrity. And I wanted to talk to you today about how to become a celebrity event planner. So how many celebrities do you have to do an event for before you can call yourself a celebrity event planner? Are you ready? Let's say it on three. One, two, three. One. You have to do a celebrity event one time to be able to call yourself a celebrity event planner. And one of my goals for 2019 was to do just that. And I've actually had the opportunity to be a part of a couple of celebrity events this year. And I'm really excited to tell you more about that. So a few episodes ago, we talked about earning your way in. And the premise was, you know, if you don't have the credentials or the resume or the skill set or the know-how or the connections to bid a celebrity event and just win it, one of the best tips or tricks that I have for you is to actually earn your way in and think of a way that you can help on a celebrity event. And so while you wouldn't be coordinating the whole event, you could be an assistant for a celebrity event planner, or you can have another opportunity like that. And so I'm really excited because one of my biggest talents, I think, is that I, when I put my name on something, I want to go above and beyond to make it amazing. And sometimes there's an attitude of like, what's in it for me? Or, you know, that is a waste of my time, or I can't see an immediate payoff. So I'm not going to do that. And I feel like this gift that I have to overlook immediate gratification for the longer term goal has really served me very well. And especially in this case of being able to add celebrity event planner to my resume. So most recently I did a celebrity event and after completing the event, they were so impressed with my work ethic, my attention to detail and how I just did it until it was done. I mean, literally 12 plus hour days getting this event done for them and going above and beyond doing things that weren't even part of my job description, doing other people's jobs, um, volunteering, you know, not like undercutting people. Don't think that like swiping in and, and doing it that way. But I'm saying like, if there was, um, something to be done and somebody else was supposed to do it, I could volunteer and say, you know what, if, if you're moaning and groaning about that, you, you feel like your time to be spent somewhere else, better spent somewhere else. Let me do it. I'd be happy to go do that on my way to do X, Y, Z. And of course, like it, it's a good way to earn friendships and build trust because they're like, oh wow, Chelsea is, you know, she's willing to do whatever, whether it's like scrub the toilets or fold towels or clean dirty dishes or clear tables of dirty dishes or whatever, right? Just not ever being above any part of the event planning duties and tasks. I was so surprised that this, um, this celebrity pulled me aside and said to me, I would love to offer you a full-time position on our team because 
we have never found somebody that was so hardworking and we plan on doing a lot more events and, you know, maybe touring and things like that. Would you be interested? And I was so flattered. I was so flattered because that obviously means that I'm doing something right. And it means that they see the value in what I bring to the table, which is so validating. So I didn't take the job. I, I, I graciously declined. I said, thank you so much. I'm so grateful that you thought of me and that you wanted to offer me this position. I would be happy to continue working on a case by case basis, obviously because I need to free myself up for the things that light my soul on fire, which is really educating others on how to have a successful event planning business. You know, these event planning entrepreneurs, I think are very creative and they're very detail oriented when it comes to the event looking a certain way or even executing the event a certain way. But sometimes the business and marketing aspects are what event planner event planners really struggle with, whether it's selling tickets or just promoting whatever event you're working on and, you know, even budgeting and getting the event sponsored or paid for so that you don't lose money. I find that way too many very talented event planners are not getting, um, you know, the recognition and the things that they need because they're simply not getting those pieces done. And, and it is a huge part of event planning. You've got to be able to execute on all levels to be a successful event planner. It's not enough to just be creative enough or to have beautiful enough designs. You, you'll be surprised at how many event planners who are actually less talented rise up much quicker because they have more grit and they understand business and marketing. Um, because I think at the end of the day, most people that are paying for an event, it, it really depends, but most people are looking for someone to just take on the basic stresses and so that they don't have to worry about the logistics coming together. And if those things happen, they're happy. And so it's, I kind of call it B plus work versus A plus work. When I first started planning events, I was bent on them being perfect in every single way, every single aspect. I wanted these events to be absolutely flawless. And one of the biggest problems with that attitude is that sometimes you get so hung up on these details that it adds way more stress. It's not duplicatable because you have to be the one to facilitate it. Like no one can do it as well as you're going to do it. And that kind of can hold you back in your business. The next thing is if you are only working on perfectionist and A plus work, sometimes you'll spend way too much money and focus and other things will slip because you simply cannot do it all. And so I learned this motto from my mentor and it's called B plus work. And I know how that sounds like B plus, like that sucks. I don't want to be B plus. I want to be A plus. But to be honest, sometimes your B plus work, like getting it to the point where it's awesome, but maybe it's not quote unquote perfect. Like you can delegate some of the tasks or you can have other people take on certain tasks. And again, maybe if you did it, it would be A plus, but this person doing it at their best is, is B plus. And that's fine. Most people, most customers cannot tell the difference. Yes, there are some that are very detail oriented and will be able to tell, but most people cannot tell the difference. And then, like I mentioned earlier, you can spend your time and attention and focus 
on things that really make a bigger impact so that you can deliver a complete experience to your customers. And so to me, what my B plus work looks like is me taking on less of the little finite details and delegating those out to other people, whether they are vendors, whether they're sponsors, whether they're volunteers. And I kind of give them the vision of what I want. And actually, I have to tell you this, more often than not, I'm actually really surprised at how somebody would put it together. Like my dad has this terrible saying, he said it forever and it's super, super incorrect, (laughs) like politically incorrect. And anyone from PETA is not going to love this. But my dad used to say there's, you know, there's a hundred ways to skin a cat and it's terrible. Like don't think about it too long. But basically I think the gist of that saying is there's more than one way to do something. And I think that that's important to remember that just because the way somebody else does something is different than how you would do it, it doesn't mean that you can't get to the same destination at the end, right? So as long as you end up at this destination, that this thing is accomplished, whether, you know, the finite details are exactly this way, that's one thing, but it doesn't really matter, right? I think that's where micromanaging becomes a big burden and people don't want to work for people like that. And anyway, so more often than not, I'm actually pleasantly surprised with how well and how talented other people are at putting things together. And it usually surprises me because I'm like, oh, I would never have done it that way. But they still got to the same end result that we wanted. Great. So being able to delegate so that you can focus on other things like putting together reports and putting together your budget and the attendee list and all of those things so that at the end of the event, I think it's so nice instead of just having a beautifully executed event and not only doing a good job of making the process easy, seamless, stress-free, stress-free for your client, but also sending the, you know, finishing it up, cleaning it up, picking up every last piece of trash, every single piece of confetti and making the space look better than how you got it, better than when you arrived. Um, And then again, sealing it up with a nice bow and sending them a thank you card and reports for the event. Here's how much we spent. Um, And you can do this along the way. I hope you're not doing your event reporting and your event budgeting at the very end. Like every time you buy something, every time money is spent, you know, collecting that data and quickly just entering it in is the best way to, in my opinion, to get that stuff done in a way that's stress-free and really wows the client. And, And like I said, it especially for celebrity events where yes, you think that they have so much money and stuff like that. The reason that celebrities and very successful people are that way is I've found that most of them pay attention. And so if you can show them that you're paying attention with their resources, their money, they will trust you. And that to me, that trust and that ability to offer a referral is invaluable. So as I close up this episode, I want to challenge you to think really big about your goals and what titles you would like to have, and then really break it down to the simplest form of what would I need to do to be able to have that on my resume and to be able to add that. And then if you don't have the resources, if you don't have the connections, if you don't have the skills even, where can you get so creative and where can you earn your way in to have those opportunities? Thank you so much for joining me in this episode and I'll catch you in the next one.